0: and welcome to another episode within this season for the cpd articles the article i'll be reading today is the commission or fee for service Uh, this one was released on the 1st of march 21 and you can access this through your kaplan portal i hope you enjoy okay so i'm going to start with part one the road to the lift review the status quo There are currently three different types of remuneration models in the life insurance industry in Australia. So I'm just gonna go through the three different types. So there's the upfront commissions, which is the insurer pays the Australian financial services. So the AFS licensee up to 60% of the first year's premium and up to 20% of renewal, renewal premiums. The level commissions, The insurer pays the AFS licensee a flat rate of commission which is approximately 30 percent of the first year's premium for the um, for every year of the policy's life and then there's also the fee for service uh, which is a fee that is paid by the consumer to the advisor ASIC report 413 review of retail life insurance advice So 2013 and 2014, ASIC reviews how advice is provided. After the future of financial advice, reforms came into effect. ASIC undertook a review of over 200 advice files from the AFS licensees to examine how their life insurance was being sold by advisors, how advisors were being remunerated, for their advice and the quality of personal advice provided to consumers. October 2014, ASIC publishes findings. ASIC released the findings of its review report in 413. It found that life insurance policies were lapsing at high rates and identified one of the drivers behind the high lapse rates as incentives for advisors to write new business or rewrite existing businesses to increase commission income. The regulator also concluded that there was a correlation between higher lapse rates and upfront commission models. Additionally, ASIC found 37% of consumers received advice that did not meet the relevant legal standard and that way an advisor was paid had sorry was paid had a statistically significant bearing on the likelihood that a client would receive advice that failed to comply with the law the table below illustrates this further result setting out a percentage of advice that complied with the law in relation to the obligation to give appropriate advice to act in the best interest of the client and give priority to interest of the client in the event of a conflict of interest when an upfront commission model was used versus when other sorry versus when other commission structures were used so the table 1 percentage of advice rated as a pass or fail of the law by commission structure in the ASICs example. Uh, So the table is pretty much just on the left-hand column, it's upfront commission or um, other commission structures. And then there's up the top pass and fail. So upfront commission passed by 55% and failed by 45%, other commission structures Passed by ninety three percent and failed by seven percent, ASIC went on to say the practice of only paying remuneration on a product sale works against the provision of balanced strategic risks advice to clients. The regulator said those risks must be managed by AFS licensees who need who needed to consider structuring remuneration arrangements. For one, so that remuneration was received from clients for advice where there was no product on sale. And number two, to reduce the impact of conflicts of interest. The validity of findings in report 413 were challenged by the Association of Financial Advisors, AFA, who said it was a highly targeted report with a sample group that was we believed was not reflective of the broader retail life insurance advice market. Further, it did not differentiate (laughs) um, between good insurance advice that failed compliance and inappropriate advice where there was likely to be client detriment. In more recent times, ASIC has said its general surveillance and enforcement work has shown similar rates of non compliant advice to those who set out in Report 413. Okay, Part Two The Road to the LIF Review. The Towbridge Report. ASIC's Report 413 led to the AFA and the Financial Services Council establish- establishing the Life Insurance and Advice Working Group, chaired by John townbridge Liawd released its final report in 2015 the throwbridge report recommended extensive reform to the life insurance and financial advice sectors in australia one key recommendation of the towbridge report was that the licenses licensees sorry be re- prohibited from receiving benefits from the insurers that may influence recommended products choice or given or advice given by licensees advices, advisors. Following the release of the report, then AFA CEO Brad Fox expressed concern in the statement that AFA disagreed with the significance components of the report and that the recommendations, if adopted, would lead to an increase in the cost of advice to consumers. The LIF reforms. November 2015, Australian Government announces reforms, the LIF reforms. The Australian Government announced LIF reforms. (laughs) Um, February 2017, changes are made. Amendments to the Corporations Act 2001 were enacted removing the exemption from the ban of conflicted remuneration for commissions paid with respect to certain life insurance products. In 2017, the Corporations Amendment Life Insurance Remuneration Arrangements Act 2017 was passed along with the ASIC corporations, life insurance commissions instrument 2017 510, commencing on the 1st of January 2018, which capped commissions at 80% of the premium in the first year of the policy, effective from the 1st of January 2018, 70% of, sorry, 70% from 1st of January 2019, and 60% of the first year of the policy effective from the 1st of January 2020 with a maximum trailing, trailing commission of 20% of the premium in all subsequent years. It also required clawback of hundred percent of the commission if the policy lapsed, i.e. if it was cancelled or not continued or the policy cost was reduced. In the first year, and sixty percent in the first year, and sixty percent clawback if the policy lapsed in the second year. Uh, there is a little side note that the numbers mentioned do not include GST. Depending on their circumstances, a commission given to the licensee or representative may or may not include GST. Additionally, formulae, formulae was provided to working at. Commissions in a different circumstances contemplated, comp- for example, where a commission is given because a policyholder was in- initiated an increase in a policy resulting in a commission partway through the year, or clawbacks, um, clawback amounts depending on when the lapse occurred. Sorry. Um, volume bonuses a ban on the payment of volume bonuses was also included in the Lif reforms a volume bonus refers to where an insurer pays an afs licensee a bonus that is calculated based on the number of life insurance products that the licensee has sold response to the lif forms the pjccf S. noted in 2008 that several advisors, advisor groups and their representative organizations expressed concern that the LIF reforms would have a negative impact, particularly on smaller advice firms. For example, the FPA suggested that there might be disproportionate effects on small firms. A large firm could potentially cross-subsidize any associated costs through their own business activities and during a discussion at the online financial services council life insurance submit in 2020 the AFA and FPA CEOs agreed that the LIF placed um, sorry that the LIF placed two great too great a focus on the advisor remuneration instead of central issues affected by the industry, such as the need to introduce simplified SOA process for insurance advice. Review of the LIF reforms. At the time of writing, ASIC was yet to complete a review of the LIF forms set for 2021. In the final report of the Royal Commission into the misconduct in the banking, superannuation, and financial services industry, Commissioner Hayne recommended that when ASIC conducts its LAF review, ASIC should consider further reducing the cap of commissions for the life insurance products. Unless there is a clear justification for retaining those commissions, the cap should. should ultimately be reduced to zero. Uh, There is then four questions down below that you will need to answer. Commission's first fee-for-service. So why fee-for-service? Proponents of the fee-for-service model tend to argue that this method of charging for advice should be adopted to ensure that customers sorry, consumers receive advice on their life insurance purchases that is truly in their best interest. Having been arrived are unaffected by any consideration of the commission the advisor will ultimately receive. A disincentive for quality advice pro- provision. In a joint response to Report 413 in 2015, the Consumer Action Law Centre, Financial Rights Legal Centre, Choice Magazine and law firm Maurice Blackburn described remuneration by commissions as creating a disincentive dis disincentive to provide quality advice in some cases while acknowledging that remuneration is not only the factor that guides advisor conduct it was argued that it was by far the most significant factor According to the submission in If advisors only receive a payment when selling products that have a commission attached they will be working for free whenever they are one providing strategic strategic oh my goodness um advice advising a client to retain their existing level of cover or reduce their level cover um and number three advising a client to take up a group life insurance cover through a superannuation fund. Speaking at the AFA's national conference in October 2020, Stephen Jones, Shadow Minister for Finance, said his view that commissions should be done away with altogether in life insurance. The burden lies upon the industry at large to prove that a commission-based sales model that's attached to an advisor's sector is able to provide a service to consumers that is not conflicted. The cost to consumers. Independent financial advisor and blogger, Justin Brand notes that the commission inflates the cost of insurance to a consumer and they will pay more long term than if they had paid a fee for service. He notes that ongoing trailing commission can cost a consumer's Stubs. Oh. The cost to consumers. Independent financial advisor and blogger Justin Brand notes that the commission inflates the cost of insurance to a consumer and they will pay more long term than if they had paid a fee for service. He notes that ongoing trailing commission can cost a consumer substantially more than if they had paid a separate fee upfront or the initial advice. Transparency. A further argument made in the Consumer Law Action Centre submission following Mr. Uh, Talbridge's interim report was the lack of transparency of life insurance commissions. This, the submission said, made it difficult for consumers to understand the actual cost of an advice to them or to compare different different offers before buying. If argued, the consumers paying a commission for their advice were not in a position to ascertain ascertain whether the commissions being paid to advisers were too much or too little or about the right amount for the work they do. Mr. Brenn opines that a lack of transparency about fees and commission is the top reason for consumers mistrusting advisors commissions and advisors in the future mr Brand suggests that the next generation of, of advisors will eschew the notion of remuneration via commission structures opting instead of charge on a fees for service basis might it be the case that new advisors arriving in the industry will look to the fee-for-service model as the default. So now there's just a few more questions to answer. Some research insights advice quality and remuneration. In 2019 Clearview released a report advice culture and remuneration the shameless truth about life insurance commissions which argued in favor of retaining commissions and described them as an efficient, widely accepted remuneration model. The report argued that the link between advice quality and remuneration was T te- Tennis Tennis T E N U O U S at best. It noted the description of the value of personal advice in ASIC's report four one three as being that The advice is tailored to the client's individual circumstances, budget, and goals, balanced against their competing priorities, and leaves the client in a better position. The Clearview report argued that quality advice was contingent upon an advisor's knowledge, skills, and experience, an advisor's professional values and ethics, and the culture of the professional ecosystem in which the advisor operates, get those three things right, and the method of remuneration may be largely irre- irrelevant. The report says. The report also complied responses with a clear view su- survey, providing a snapshot as to how those advisors change for life insurance advice, and exciting views from advisors as to what banning commissions might mean for the future in life insurance advice. Um, there is now just like a diagram kind of thing. You might want to have a look at that. It's on, sorry, it's less than eight out of 15. Um, it just is advisors on life insurance advice. Um Yeah. The cost of advice, at the end of 2019, research undertaken by actuarial firm plan for life for MLC life insurance was released in a white paper entitled cost and efficiency of delivering life insurance advice. Uh, There is a little video, so I'll play that for you now.
1: The central aim of the research involved understanding the time spent and cost incurred by life insurance advisors to provide and implement advice. It found on average an advisor required 10 hours to prepare and implement life insurance advice for a client where the case was simple and up to 15 hours where the case was more complex. It found that for a simple policy, upfront commission was less than the costs associated with delivering advice, and as a policy increased in complexity, commission alone was insufficient to cover those costs. According to the research, advisors dealing with clients who had complex needs would either need to reduce their expenses by up to as much as 20-25%, to 25%, charge the client a full fee, or receive a combination of fees and commissions. Additionally, the report concluded that many advisors did not have a thorough knowledge of their actual operating costs.
0: Awesome, so that was it for the video. Uh, On the release of the report, Sean McCormick, uh, Chief of Group and Retail Partners, MLC Life Insurance, said that unless costs of advice were reduced, commissions on their own were unlikely to support their prof. Profitability of current advice models impacting the cu- impacting the number of Australians who were able to access life. An advisor's case for commissions in 2020, life insurance advisor Brett Wright authored and released his own report, "Advised Life Insurance." Mr. Wright argues in favour of retaining commissions that they that saying that they remove cost and complexity, maximize maximize affordability and accessibility, de-risk the life insurance process and transactions for consumers and keep the system sustainable. The cost of obtaining coverage. Mr Wright observes that where an application for insurance is declined by an insurer and the cos- consumer cannot obtain cover, they will not be subject to any charge for the advisor's work. A fee-for-service model, in contrast, would would require an advisor to charge an average of $3,000 to $5,000 for the process and potentially much more should the individual's needs increase in complexity. The cost of reviewing and renewing coverage. Mr Wright notes that commission covers the cost of market reviews and policy adjustments and encourages the client to review the ongoing appropriateness of their cover and reconfirm the value and need for it, without having to worry about being charged advice and service fees on top of a premium. A fee-for-service model meanwhile will mean an advisor will need to charge between 600 and 1500 annually for reviews which a consumer will incur in addition to the cost of any premium increase. The cost of a claim. Where a commission is charged, it will cover the cost of an advisor's managing a client's claim. Regardless of its size or complexity, Mr. Wright says he notes that claims take between, on average, 10 to 40 hours, so a fee-for-service model might see a consumer needing to pay somewhere between 3,000 and 12,000 for their advisor's work to manage a claim. Ben Donald, an advisor and director of Ausbroker Financial Solutions, noted in the response to Mr. Wright's report that there were, if not for the current commission model, a large portion of clients of ABFS who have made claims during previous years would have been left to fend for themselves. What do consumers say? Mr Wright argues that fee-for-service means insurance advice is unaffordable for the vast majority of consumers and cites a 2019 study by Rice Warner on Xerox insurance behalf entitled The Risk Advice Disconnect which found that only eight percent of surveyed customers consumers sorry were willing to pay over a thousand dollars for life insurance advice no surveyed consumers were willing to pay two thousand dollars or more for life insurance advice the sum that almost two-thirds of advisors reported they would need to charge and almost 30 percent of consumers were unwilling to pay any fee for life insurance advice Zurich insurance group 2019 on release of the report, in reference to the Lif review, Zurich Life and Investment CEO Tim Bailey said, "Mandating out of pocket fee is like, sorry, is likely to be to put expert life insurance help out of reach at the worst possible time for people, and would likely to see people in in
1: inadequate
0: or inappropriate cover, or worse still, no cover at all." Then there's now just four questions, well, a multiple choice below. Further stakeholder perspectives. The right model. Are Life Insurance clients best served by a fee-for-service or commission model? Peter Johnson, Director of the Association of Independently Owned Financial Professionals, emphasises that the need for focus to be on what the consumers want. He believes that overwhelming preferences of both advisor and consumers is a commission-based model, but that both options should be given to the consumer. Jordan Vaker is Melbourne-based advisor who operates using a fee-for-service model. He also thinks that clients are well-served by having a transparent, open choice between commissions and a fee-for-service. I think that the reality is that the commissions embedded in a policy add anywhere from 25 to $0.30 cents per dollar of a premium in, a one, in year one and then every subsequent year. That was by Jordan Baker. For example, Mr Baker says, <coughs> if a client is paying less than approximately 5000 in premiums, a commission model is probably better at least in the first year the discount he notes will perhaps be 1500 whereas the fee for service will be more expensive meaning the client is worse off in the fact of in the first year the choice of commission he says gives clients who cannot afford a fee for service the ability to access advice however if a client is paying more than 5000 in one year and is going to be holding a policy for 10 years or so Calculating out of the 25 to 30 cents in the dollar of the premium becomes enormous. An advisor must be satisfied in accordance with Standard 7 of FASIA's Code of Ethics, whether the arrangement represents value for money for the client. Standard 7. Standard 7 of FASIA's Code of Ethics provides in particular, as an advisor, you must satisfy yourself that any fees and charges that the client must pay to you and the benef- and any benefits that you receive in connection with acting for the client and fair and reasonable and represent value for money for the client in Knight, general general manager of operations in at Sintron, says that whatever is best for the consumer is what matters most here he also emphasizes that need for the facts to be able to, to consumers, so that they are in much better, so that they are in a much better position to choose which model will best suit their circumstances. Mister Knight also refers to how much of the conversation around commissions and fees for service becomes about favoring one option over the other. It's very much one. End of the spectrum, or the other, and there's very little dialogue about the meeting in the middle, compromising, so that you get a better outcome overall. He thinks that vast majority of consumers would prefer a commission-based model, having the full facts articulately put to them about the features and costs associated with each type of model. A hybrid model. Graham burden is a consultant for. Alexa Consulting, a firm that provides business coaching for financial advisors as well as pricing advice. He notes that the cost of providing insurance advice has significantly increased in the years, and the reasoning so the reasons are twofold: increased compliance requirements and much stricter underwriting, and decreased commission rates as a result of the LIF reforms. Mr. Bernard thinks it is wrong to be looking at, at a per, pure fee for service or pure commission model, and that instead, finding a hybrid that works best for each client and advisor is key. He says that the he says as the industry continues to change and business models become more so sophisticated, advisors must go from being price takers to price makers. To do so, he says advisors must have a strong understanding of their cost to provide as advice. So that so what will it cost to get the business on the books and to maintain a service for those clients ongoing, reviewing their levels of coverage as appropriate? One thing is unpacked, Mr. Bernard says it simply becomes a matter of an advisor determining how they will obtain remuneration for the costs that they know will occur, it will incur sorry. That hybrid involves an advisor. There's now two pictures here, so one's of a business man in a filing cabinet um, and behind that image it says asserting the cost of providing their advice including going through the process of understanding the client's needs and determining an appropriate portfolio of insurance products and suitable levels of cover. The next photo is a photo of like a contract. Um, And that one says, then after obtaining the client's agreement, securing that insurance, a calculation can then be made to ensure any gap between the figure and the commission provided by the insurer will be covered by charging a client a fee for service. Graham Bernard says that it's a combination of being rewarded for the advice you give plus the cost and effort of getting the client through the underwriting process. The following is an example of how the proposed hybrid model may work. So this is a video, so I'll play that for you as well.
1: Eliza is 29 and works in a marketing world. Recently Eliza's brother James recommended that she investigate obtaining life insurance coverage to provide her more financial security. Eliza is uncomfortable with the idea of purchasing insurance directly online, so she approaches James's financial advisor Charlie to understand the types of life insurance coverage she should obtain. Charlie undertakes an assessment to determine the level of complexity of Eliza's needs. He ascertains that to receive proper remuneration for taking Eliza through the process to secure the necessary coverage, he will need to receive $4,000. Charlie proposes that he will provide a comprehensive review of Eliza's circumstances and make recommendations on the insurance policies that should be put in place. This will include analysis of the appropriate types and levels of cover, taking into account affordability given Eliza's cash flow. For this plan, Charlie will receive $1,000, for which he will invoice Eliza directly. Ultimately, Charlie will receive $3,000 in commission from the relevant life insurer, ensuring his total remuneration is appropriate and profitable. Cool,
0: so that was the end of that video. After the LIF review, what do stakeholders hope that will come out of the forthcoming LAF review? Mr Johnson thinks the cap of, on commission should be increased to at least 80%, which he says makes it sustainable to run a business. But he says consumers should have choices. So insurance should, have, should provide advisors with two prices, one that includes commission and one that does not. Mr. Vaker does not believe that commissions should be banned, in fact, he believes that the cap should be returned to 80% for the first year commissions. Commissions and fee-for-service Additionally, Mr. Vega believes that commission and fee-for-service should sit side-by-side as options for consumers. He says that if he sees a client and believes that they are better off not paying him a fee-for-service, he has a group of advisors. To which he will refer them. It means that such clients are looked after via a model to which they are better suited and perhaps are customised. Jordan Baker says, "I don't have an embedded, entrenched ideology on this. I've just looked after the. Si- I've just looked at the situation, calculated the numbers, looked at the kind of business that I want to run, and this happens to work for me." continuing to use these models he says means doing the work to robustly investigate why they are continuing to be used so that they can be defended the line we've always done it this way he says does not hold water maintaining the status quo mr bernard says that the best outcome on the laf review may be the continuation of the status quo Rather than any increase of the commission caps, but he does not believe that there's a need to review the clawback arrangements, describing the current situation as a bit drac- draconian. I don't know what that is. Um, Mr. Bernard describes commission versus fee for service as an emotional issue and notes that many advisers vehemently argue clients will never pay a fee for service. He says in Alex's own research that the last couple of reports have shown around 30% of advisors are charging some fee for insurance only advice, therefore demonstrating that it is doable, doable that clients are willing to pay when the value provision is there. He re-emphasises that need for advisors to thoroughly understand the cost of providing their advice and being able to explain to clients the value for money they are able to provide. Too much change. Mr Knight discusses the change, changes the industry has been in the recent years and says, We keep changing the rules all the time and it's, never, it's a never-ending minefield. Trying to keep up day-to-day as an advisor, uh, as a licensee manager is extremely difficult. The goalposts are moving incessantly. Mr Knight would like to see a focus on the quality of strategic and financial advice contained in SOAs and in life insurance recommendations, as opposed to making sure we've ticked every single box and covered off every single FASIA guideline to the ninth degree while everyone agrees that compliance is essential he thinks that overarching consideration should be whether the strategic advice provided in an SOA is where it needs to be it is the most appropriate advice understanding the process made mr knight says what would he says what would he What he would like to see in the LIF review is a comparison undertaken showing the quality of advice at the same time of the original review, as opposed to the quality of advice at the time of the latest review. He says that the industry itself needs an understanding of gains here so that it can articulate to consumers that that the profession is getting better. He thinks this kind of evidence will provide consumers and interest group which with much greater peace of mind as the process to industry that the industry is making mr knight also highlights the need to begin the discussion about charging models by asking how the industry can ensure more australians are obtaining the advice they need to be covered by the right insurance if we start with that with If we start with that end in mind, as opposed to any other end or agenda, I think we'll find a far better playing field we can work to, to give a better outcome for consumers in Australia. Finally, the conclusion. Conversation around how life insurance advisors should be remunerated continues following several reports into the sector over the past decade. While some advisors have adopted an advocate uh, a fee-for-service model pointing to the benefits for clients in doing so, other advisors remain strongly opposed to the idea of banning commissions, arguing that it will ultimately leave those needing advice worse off. This learning content has re- referenced a number of arguments in favour of each model and shared some industry participants' perspectives on the issue. ASIC will have to grapple with a host of considerations when it reviews the LIF reforms in time ahead to resolve how best to address both the advisors need to be fairly compensated for their work and the consumers need to be secured need to secure insurance coverage that affords them proper financial protection. Cool so then it's just got all the references And the disclaimer Um, yeah and that is everything for that module today Um, just a reminder that that was the commission or fee for service that was published on the 1st of March 2021 and yeah so you can access through your My Kaplan
1: portal and get that one completed thank you have a lovely day